until you get to that point, you just can't understand it. And you can't, um, it's not about being a coward or being selfish. You're just in so much pain that you want it to end. And you think that's the only way to end the pain. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we do not talk much about it. And when we do talk about it, most of us are not very good at it. And that includes me. One of my goals with this podcast is to not only have conversations with attempt survivors, but hopefully better conversations. Now, we are talking about suicide. This may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. We have been launched for less than a month. And every day we get more and more people listening to this podcast from more and more places. Places like Brazil and Hungary and Latvia and Israel. I'm really glad these stories are getting out there. Now, if you like this podcast, help us out subscribe to it, rate it, review it. I don't know exactly why or how this works, but when you do that, more and more people can find it. More and more people from more and more places can hear these stories because these stories matter. They really matter. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor or you know somebody who is and you'd like to share your story with us, you can email us, hello at suicidenoted.com. Today, I'm talking with Jamie. Jamie lives in New York, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Jamie. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Sean? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for joining me and being cool with talking about stuff that people don't always talk about. Well, yeah, I want to, I talk about it, so. My question uh, that I, I ask most people when I start talking to them about this is that most people who have tried to end their lives would not hop on a podcast and talk to people openly about it. And you're not that way. I don't think so. Why? 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 Because I'm a writer. uh, And I was, I certainly had shame about um, having attempted suicide uh, and was not it would not have been comfortable I, I was not comfortable with people knowing that um except those people who who knew it anyway or were um were close to me and i guess let's see but when i i wrote i wrote a memoir called dangerous when wet a memoir of booze sex and my mother and it was about my alcoholism uh, and getting sober in my relationship with, with my mother and, uh, and how that was kind of alcoholic as well. But, um, and I could not tell that story, um, without talking about my, uh, suicide attempt. Well, I have two, but I'll get to that in a minute. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so when I chose to, when I chose to write that story, I was going, you know, I I had to, uh, um, I made the choice to out myself as a suicide attempt. 
survivor because um, my suicide attempt in 2006, when I took an overdose of sleeping pills, um, was my alcoholic bottom. And it, 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 uh, I got into rehab after that and then started to get sober. And uh, so that made me come out about that. And I was, and then I realized that um, I had a lot to say about, um, about suicide. You know, I, I was more focused on my alcoholism. Um, uh, and that's what the, the book, it really focuses on that. And then I've talked a lot about that. Uh, but, and then a year later, after the book came out, I felt like a little bit of a fraud because I had never told anybody, um, not my partner of 20 plus years, not my um, uh, best friends, not my family, not my AA buddies or my, my sober buddies rather, um, not my analysts that I'd been seeing for, you know, since I'd come back from rehab that I had attempted suicide before that, 2006, when 11 years prior. Um, and I had impulsively taken an overdose of sleeping pills, again, while drunk. Um, but I woke up the next morning and didn't tell a living soul. And, um, and I realized, and I was like, well, why do I need to tell anybody about that one? You know, they already know about the other one, and they know I'm sober. Yeah. Um, and, and after I got sober, uh, you know, I built, rebuilt a whole new life for myself became a writer, became a performer, started my own business. And, but I, I kind of, I felt like I had to come out about that first one um, because I felt like I, it was like a new house. I felt like a new house that was built on an old foundation, still riddled with termites. And, you know, until I owned that story and that's, I didn't necessarily have to tell the world about it, but I had to at least admit it to another person. Um, but at that point, I had been public about every about this that side of myself, uh, having written the book and been out there talking about it um, and all the issues there. That that I did come out publicly about that, and I wrote about it in the New York Times. I got a, a lot of great response, and um, you know, and a lot of um, people related to it. Either they were also suicide attempt survivors, or they knew people who were, and it helped them understand suicidal ideation and behavior. And, right. and and the connection between alcoholism, substance abuse, and depression. For sure. So the first first attempt was in 06. No, the no. the second attempt was in 06. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the first one? The first one was 11 years before that. So that would be. Um, 95. What's that? 95, if my math is correct. Uh, 95, 96. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk about that one? What's that? Can you share with us a little bit about what happened? How did that, how did that sort of come to be? I know it's a large question. Um, right, right. Um, yeah, you know, at that time I was, uh, how old was I, 27 or so. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was drinking alcoholically, but I wasn't, um, I, I didn't know about, I didn't think I needed to get sober. I wasn't thinking that I was an alcoholic. I mean, I probably thought that I had a, a problem with drinking, but it wasn't, um, but I was nowhere near getting sober and, and couldn't see that my depression and my kind of general malaise and unhappiness and dissatisfaction, um, with life had anything, you know, was being brought on by the drinking. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I was at the time. And, um, and I wasn't, 
I had wanted to write and perform and kind of, and I didn't pursue it. Um, um, didn't pursue it. I mean, I did a little bit kind of half-heartedly and then I, and then I just, um, uh, got serious about my career in publishing, which I was doing well in. And, um, I, I can't tell you how much suicidal ideation I had before that, that attempt leading up to it. But I was at, I was a, a book publicist and, and I, um, had organized this wonderful, uh, you know, glamorous party for for a book I was working on, and and all the you know uh, glitterate from theater and fashion world was there, and rather than just being happy that I was a part of it and that I had organized it, I just I my uh, and I was drinking at the party, and my self esteem sunk this low, um, very low, and I thought, you know, I'll never be as good as these people. I'll never be anything. I'll never be glamorous. I'll never be on my, you know, I'll just, I'm just the hired help, blah, blah, blah. And I just went in this downward spiral, which I realize now drinking can, can take me to, uh, often. And, um, you know, because we have to remember that alcohol is a depressant. A lot of people forget that, yeah. um, you know, cause it, everyone thinks, Oh, it's going to bring me up. It's going to make the party fun. It's going to make me happy. But if you, you know, if you keep on, it brings you way down. Did me anyway. And I went home that night and, I just thought I was done. And to tell you the truth, I don't remember that much about it because it was a long time ago. I was drunk when I did it, not so, you know, not obliterated, but I also just, I wiped it out and didn't tell anybody about it for so long and didn't talk about it and didn't think about it. And every time the memory popped up, I would, you know, delete it kind of like those annoying Facebook reminders. Yeah. And I was home and I, I had, uh, I remembered, I drank some more when I got home and I remembered some painkillers I had in the, in the medicine cabinet suffered from a sprained ankle, which I got while I was drunk. Um, and I impulsively took them. I didn't, I don't think I think thought a lot about it. I just impulsively took it and took them and went to bed. And I woke up the next morning, um, uh, hung over from, from the booze and the pills and kind of in shell shock that I had done that. Yeah. And yeah, uh, went to work and, and got up and, and started moving, but it felt like I was moving underwater water from the, mm. you know, I think the effect of the pills and also just the shock of what I had done. And then mm. I was just like, I told nobody. And that's why I think it's so important for suicide attempt survivors to tell someone after to own it. Um, because those who've attempted suicide are in a higher risk group to do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, and by not, you know, owning your story and telling your story, your story could own you, uh, mm -hmm. in the end. And, and I wonder if I had told, if I admitted it to anybody, I, if I would have gotten help sooner, taken a harder look at my alcoholism, my drinking and gotten sober sooner, who knows, you know, and maybe knows, I wouldn't have, maybe I wouldn't have attempted that, you know, that second time. So you told no one, no one, mm -mm. not one it, human being on earth knew about that. Exactly. Not until 2016. To put this in perspective, so then 2006, my drinking got, by then, you know, I kept drinking. My, my drinking got much worse. Um, I um, got fired from a job, uh, which devastated me because I'd always done well in life and, you know, straight A, best little boy in the world kind of thing. And then that time, I were, the leading up to the 2006 one, I remember in the last few months of my drinking that I was, I was so severely depressed and was thinking about it. Suicide was the last 
thought when I passed out at night and the first when I came to in the yeah. morning. So I, I, I mean, that there was, I mean, I thought about it constantly then, which I don't think I did, was doing that first time. But, and that time it was more premeditated. I mean, it was, it was still an impulsive moment, but I had been thinking about it for, for months. And then one morning I had overslept for work and given my boss a, a lame excuse. And she wrote back, she emailed me again. And, and then I freaked out and I thought, you know, I just can't, keep doing this anymore. I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm done. And I took the bottle of sleeping pills. And um, the first one I would consider manslaughter. This one is more <laughs> a little premeditated. So anyway, that, but that was my bottom that got me sober. And then, as I said at the beginning of this, when I, and then I started writing the memoir, you know, and I couldn't, obviously I couldn't tell the story of my alcoholism without talking about that mm -hmm. suicide attempt. And I don't think I even seriously considered whether or not I should include that first suicide attempt, because I still wasn't thinking about it much. Right. Because yeah. I told no one and was always pushing. It was never, I pushed it out of my mind. I was in still denial about that first time and still kind of mm -hmm. thought, ah, that first time, I don't know if I meant it. You know, did I really think a few painkillers was going to do it? Blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't count that kind of thing. If, yeah. it, you know, um, and then after the book came out, a year went by and I thought, you know, I feel a little bit like a fraud, you know, that I, and, and um, so that's when I decided to come out about that first attempt. So you shared both. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think you really wanted to die? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I was glad both times that I didn't. Right. That first time I can tell you, I just thought, I remember kind of waking up in a stupor and like, oh, thank God. You know, I'm not, I don't know if I said, thank God that didn't work. I was like, it was kind of like, whoa, did I really do that? Yeah. Keep moving and don't tell anyone. Mm. Um, but I, I did, I know that there wasn't a, a mo I don't, I don't, I know that when I woke up, I did not regret waking up. The second time my partner found me, Michael, and, you know, he got me to the hospital. I came to in an emergency room. I can't say at that moment, I thought, oh, thank God I'm alive. But I didn't, I, I didn't regret that I was alive. Right. Mm. But mm. I mean, yeah, I think it definitely that second one, I, I wanted to die. It must be a really, some kind of feeling to, to want to die and not, and wake up. Yeah. And what that must be like. And you were in a hospital, which is a whole other. Right, other right. Mm. Yeah, what people I think don't realize, and this may be jumping the gun on one of your questions, is, and I felt this way, uh, you know, when, when people talk about suicide being a cowardly act or a very selfish act, um, you know, uh, because it hurts so many people, you can't really, un and I used to, and I agreed with some of those uh, opinions before I got to that point. And, uh, and I remember... I had, um, there was when I was, my first <laughs> um, awareness of alcoholism and suicide was when I was around five years old. There was this friend of my mother's, Genevieve, and I remember visiting her and she always had a drink at the end of her hand. I mean, I didn't necessarily know it was an alcoholic drink, but I'm pretty, pretty sure it was now like gin or something. And then we stopped seeing her. And at one point I asked my mother, I was like, what, you know, why don't we go, why don't we see Genevieve anymore? And she said, because she and my mother was very, could be very forthright, even when I was went to a five-year-old. She said, because, and I said, what? She killed herself mm. um, with a gun. And, um, mm. and she said she was an alcoholic, a bad alcoholic. And so right there, there was, there was, my, there was my future, um, alcoholism right. and suicide. 
and my mother, I remember my mother saying, I don't understand how she could do something like that, you know, when she had a family and children and all this. And then years later, I had a friend, um, I, I, an author that I was working with, uh, and we became friends. And I just adored him. And he uh, disappeared for a while. And then, and then uh, when he reappeared, he told me that he had tried to kill himself. And he'd gone to the to the loony bin or uh, the nut house, as he called. I mean, this is these are he, his words. And I said, oh, I'm so glad that, you know, and blah, 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 that I'm so glad you're alive and you're so smart and wonderful, and, you know, and all this. And I was, I was still perplexed. I couldn't understand how anyone um, could do that. But I remember, you know, he, he felt like he was done. He said, you know, I just felt like I was done, like I had, you know, um, done everything I was, I was going to achieve and the things that I wanted to t- take off didn't, mm. thought he was done. And then, oh, I don't know how much longer, was it a year later? Um, he did it again. He, tried, he attempted it again and he succeeded. Mm. And, and I was still, you know, still kind of in the opinion of how could anyone do that? You know, how could he not know that he was loved and that he was, you know, had so talented and all this. And until you get to that point, you just can't understand it. And you can't, um, it's not about being a coward or being selfish. You're just in so much pain that you want it to end. And you think that's the only way to end the pain, you know, and that, you know, of course we know that term um, suicide is a, a final solution to a temporary problem. It's temporary, but it can feel like a hell of a long time. Yeah. So I get, yeah. So you don't think it's selfish or cowardly? You may still think it's selfish or cowardly. And, and, and cowardly. That's not the point. The mm. point is you, you can't understand what the level of, 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 depression and hopelessness um, that drives a person to get to that point. And I didn't really understand that either until I got there myself. Yeah. And when you get, you know, and I had leading up to about the selfishly selfish and cowardly bit um, leading up to that um, attempt in 2006, when I was in such an alcoholic depression and despair and, and drinking almost around the clock and thinking about suicide all the time, I had a lot of guilt about it. And I thought, well, no, I can't do that to my partner, Michael and my parents, and it would devastate them and, and all that. And that would for a while keep me from doing it. Yeah. But then when you get to the point, all that, you, I, I, I blocked all of them out and it didn't matter anymore. And it, and also as I'm convinced the world's a better place without me. And you know, when you drink and drug, the ultimate goal is oblivion mm-hmm. um, and suicide is the next <laughs> extreme step from there. After the second attempt, the last one, mm-hmm. you'd said that you went into the hospital. What helped? Getting you're sober. Here, you're, you're here now. Okay. Getting sober. Yeah. Because I'm not clinically, uh, I was not diagnosed with clinical depression. So I, I've never been on medication um, for me, the severe depression that led me to suicidal ideation and led me to, 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 su- to suicide attempts was because of alcohol and, and drug, extreme alcohol and drug use. Mm-hmm. That, that when you drink that much and, and drug, although alcohol was my main, I did other drugs as well, but alcohol was the set, steady mainstay. 
And when you drink that much, it, it sinks you into a grand Canyon of depression. And mm. once the alcohol and drugs were removed from my system, the depression uh, began to lift. And, you know, now that I've been sober 11 and a half years, Tough. it's not there. The severe depression is not there. And, and I, and I'm, and I don't, and I certainly suffer from, you know, bad days and depression and, and feeling bad about myself. Um, but it doesn't sink me to that level of, of seriously wanting to kill myself. I still have suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. They're not that, yeah, but it's more, you know, it's kind of like, you know, things don't go my way. And I'm like, Oh God, this is awful. I'm going to kill myself. And I mean, I mean, in a, in a little bit beyond, you know, a lot of people say that and they don't mean it at all. Sometimes I say that and think, you know, that that, you know, might be a good choice. But I get nowhere near there mm-hmm. because I'm not drinking and drugging. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what so what saved me from being, I mean, for, for me, uh, being sober in a 12-step program um, is my number one suicide prevention plan. Mm. And therapy. Um, I've been in, since I got sober, I've been uh, uh, working with the same therapist. My analyst, I like to call him, you know, a New York thing. So it sounds like from 2006, there's been some, a lot of changes. Yes. Yeah. A lot of changes. Yeah. I mean, I went to the rehab for 60 days and came back and went to, um, worked with, uh, did an outpatient um mm-hmm. program for a few months which is where i met my analyst and then and, and i went private with him um go to 12-step meetings all the time um i ended up left i left publishing corporate world of publishing started my own business started writing the memoir started performing so yeah i've got a whole whole different life and a lot and i'm no question so glad that that last suicide attempt did not take because mm. i was certainly i was wrong when I told myself and I looked in that mirror and said, I'm done, yeah. done, which is you were what wrong. I said the day. Yeah, you I was were, wrong. You were not correct about that. Mm-hmm. I, I know that you're an accomplished writer and performer, storyteller. I would have to imagine that was also just a huge help for your creative juices and spirit. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when I started writing seriously and, and I enrolled in a, a, a writing workshop and that's where I began writing the memoir. And I remember the first time that I had in that first semester when I had written something and I, I, that like, I just really nailed it. And it was something mm-hmm. I was really proud of. Everyone in the workshop loved it. That high was mm-hmm. greater um, by far than any high I had uh, drinking or drugging. Mm. I'm always curious about how people respond to people in pain or despair, certainly if they've tried to end their lives. So, but how do they respond when they learn that you had tried? Uh, you know, there were the people, my immediate people around me, uh, Michael, my partner and, and my parents. And, you know, it's just, you know, we love you. And, you know, my God, you can't do that again. I think it was more 
a lot of people knew, but they don't, they didn't say anything because okay. it was so after the fact, you know, there's like, what do you say? It's just, you know, there was, yeah. and I was also more, and I was also, I had gotten sober. And so it was more about people focused on, we're so, oh, you know, we're so proud of you for getting sober. Oh, you've done such a great thing. Or, well, right. well, I hear you're doing great. So it was more focused on the fact that I was sober rather than what finally got me mm-hmm. sober, which yeah. is the suicide attempt. There was some time that had elapsed. But I've had people say, you know, when I've talked about it, like, uh, uh, I'm so glad you didn't succeed, you know. Mm-hmm. Although, this is funny, my mother, um, I call her uh, Mama Jean in the book, and she was this just over-the-top Texas woman, you know, with uh, you know the, the, the big hair done once a week and, and never left the house, not looking camera ready with her makeup on, and... And she just loved me. And it was kind of some other love that um, was sometimes often hard to deal with. And, you know, when that suicide attempt happened, um, Michael called her and she slapped on her face and got on a plane and flew to New York to rescue her baby and get me into rehab. And she just, you know, just adored me and, you know, always wanted to be with me and all this. And so when I got back from the hospital after a week of detox, where she'd been waiting and she was just, oh, she just hugged me and said, oh, I'm just so happy to see you alive. And, um, and then there was a little mini intervention uh, with some of my psychiatrist friends, uh, good girlfriends who, who knew about addiction issues. And, and so I'd, I'd agreed to go to, to rehab. And then when it was done, my mother, she just looked at me and she pointed a perfectly sculpted red fingernail at me and said, your drinking days are over. And by the way, Suicide is a mortal sin. So it's a damn good thing you didn't succeed. Otherwise, you couldn't spend eternity in heaven with me. What do you say to that? So somehow it became about her. Right, but right, yeah, right. that's a different story. <laughs> mm. She was a Catholic. I grew up Catholic. And of course, in, in, uh, it's in Texas. A, a mortal sin. In Texas, yes. Wow. What part of Texas? A Beaumont, Southeast Texas near Louisiana border and Gulf Mexico. All right. Yeah. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. But now that you say that, I hear something. I'm like, is that a slight little twang I hear? That's what you hear. A little Southeast Texas twang. A little Southeast Texas twang. Mm. It's, it sounds like you're in a pretty decent place. I am. I am these yeah. days, yes. Mm. Good. For those who are around someone who think they think are in trouble, um, uh, are at risk um, of trying to kill themselves, they should be able to. A- they should ask the question to mm-hmm. that person. And a lot, it, 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 I, I just no one asked me that question. Um, I don't know if people around me thought that I might have tried to kill myself, but I wonder if if anyone had asked me that. Now, it doesn't mean that the person's going to answer you honestly, sure, right. you know, yeah. um, but, uh, it, but people feel like, oh, that's, it, it's rude to ask that, you know, that's, it, that it, it, it's unseemly to ask, you know, honey, I'm worried about you. You're, you look, you seem so depressed and despondent and hopeless. I'm worried that you might want to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. I might, I'm worried that you might think about ending it all. Or, do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. I would ask the question. And if you're around someone who is heavily abusing alcohol and or drugs, know that they are high risk for suicide. 
uh, one a, a huge bugaboo of, of not it's not even a bugaboo, but a huge. It makes me angry um, that when suicide is talked about in the press, and I'm not and I'm not necessarily saying this is the case with those who deal with depression and you know like psychologists and and well I don't know, but here's the deal. Hmm. Often when suicide hits the press because of uh, because of someone famous kills himself like when Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade when those suicides happen the story was immediately about depression and alcohol and substance abuse was almost left out of the equation and I know there are plenty of people who are not alcoholics and drug users and 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 do attempt suicide and kill themselves without being under the influence. Although I think there are plenty of people who aren't alcoholic and suicide who, who do it under the influence because, because the alcohol and drugs gives them the courage yeah. to pull the trigger, tie the knot. Yeah. You have to realize that alcohol and drug use takes you to levels of depression, um, of artificial depression. Mm. So, um, and, and that's what it, it, it makes me so angry that, that so often in the press, when these high profile suicides happen, alcohol and, and, and drugs are, if they're even mentioned, they're kind of an afterthought. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of Anthony Rudin, they were like, oh, they, they realized they, it didn't look like there was a lot of toxic levels of, of alcohol or no drugs in his system. But I mean, he was known for being, I mean, he had stopped using drugs, but, uh, you know, was still a big drinker and was doing it you know, on his shows and the residual, even if he was, even if he was not legally drunk when he did it, who knows how much alcohol had been in his system leading up to that. And there are the residual effects of that. So, so my, my advice to someone who is around someone who thinks they might be suicidal, if they're heavily using drugs and alcohol, um, they're at risk. Mm. They should realize that. Alcohol, drug risk, ask the question, Right. Ask it. Yep. Ask it. What would you say to somebody who's contemplating? I think that's a, almost an unfair question because it's so big and broad. I have a quick, simple answer to the person who's contemplating suicide. You know what? Don't don't do it today. You can always do it tomorrow. Wait. Hmm. Just for the day. You want to kill yourself? Fine. But you know what? Do it tomorrow. And if tomorrow comes, which is, which is today, when it comes, and you still want to heal yourself, say, eh, wait till tomorrow. Yeah. That may seem a little, that may t- seem too simplistic, but um, it also, it's, it's the same um, thinking that keeps a lot of people sober who are struggling mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Um, of their sobriety of, you know, they're white knuckling it and, um, and they want to take that drink. And rather than, than saying they can never drink again, rather than saying, I'll never kill myself, just say, you know what, I'm not going to do it today, but I, I, you know what, I can drink tomorrow. I really want to drink right now over this, but let me just drink, wait till tomorrow. And, and often when tomorrow comes, you'll be glad that you didn't drink the day before, just like you'll be glad uh, that you didn't kill yourself the day before. Mm. Uh, my other advice is, um, is just tell someone that you feel this way. Yeah. To talk to someone that you just to, to let someone know you're, 
you're feeling that low. And then my advice to the person who is on is is hearing that is to not immediately judge and say, "Don't do it. You can't kill yourself. It's wrong. Um, it's cowardly. It's it's selfish. It's this." In other words, to send out all the the judgmental, opinionated stuff is just to listen and say, "That sounds really awful." Um, yeah. You know, and I I can see why you want to do that, but I I know that I would miss you, and I know a lot of other people would, and. I know you still have a lot to give and maybe that person can then say, well, you know what? Just wait till tomorrow. Don't you. And I know the, 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 um, the intention is good, but, but by saying, you know, that's wrong. Don't do that. How could you, um, you know, think about how many people you'll hurt. Um, it's invalidating their feelings and that's not the, that's not the, the right approach. Yeah, I think there's a lot of well-intentioned people, truly, and they don't realize they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And they say those things and it, they are invalidating. Yeah. They're not helpful. Right. I'm glad that you not only pointed that out, but you actually specifically gave examples, which is, I think, really helpful for, for people to hear. This is what validation sounds like. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that. For some reason, I can talk about this subject a lot at length. Good. So it, it should is, be yeah. talked about. No, no, it should be. There's not enough talk about it. And, yeah. you know, and I've noticed, I, you know, I, I'll post, when I post stuff on, the, on social media um, around suicide, either I've written something about it or I've told a story about it for one of the storytelling shows or I've done, I have noticed I get, there's less response then because I think it's still, it's people it, are squeamish about it. It's weird. It's, you know, how, it was, you know, what to say. I don't want to think about that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So I, I'm glad that you're doing this because the, the, the more we talk about it and the more we, the more we normalize it, I don't mean normalize the act of suicide or the act of su- our, our suicidal thinking, but if we just, to bring it out in the open, just yeah. like we talk much more about, alcohol and substance abuse and we talk much more about depression um we need to talk more about suicide and suicidal thinking you know i agree you know i heard your i've heard several of your stories uh, including the one about or that revolves around your suicide attempt it wasn't just about that do people come up to you and say thanks for doing that do you remember how people respond in that setting yeah, um, I've had um, I, again. I would say it's less response. Um, mm-hmm. if, if there's, if there's, you know, after the fact, if, if it's a live event and people coming up to me, um, I would say there there have been um, fewer uh, people coming up to me or are responding after those stories. But what I have got, but the but the quality right. of the of the people who do come up to me and respond is good because they're like you know they, they share their story. Yep. Um, that either they have attempted or they had or they knew someone or they knew someone who who attempted and succeeded, and they've been grateful. Um, you know that I that I shared the story and um, and I've also had a lot of people in recovery um, who. Uh, related to it, since of course it's um, the story is as much about um, addiction as it is about 
um, suicide, you know, have been uh, deeply appreciative of, of, of me sharing the story and, and, mm-hmm. and how it's helped them or, or how it re- relates to their, their own experience. They don't hear it very often. Yeah. I, I would imagine that those uh, rooms, the 12 steps, they produce some really good storytellers. They do. Um, right. Yes. And you know what? Here's the other thing. Um, everyone, most people at the end who are, who are in recovery, who are sober from alcohol and drugs, at the end of their using, mm. almost all of them wanted to die. Because when you get to the end you, of using, you are, you are hopeless um, and have lost interest in all the things that used to interest you. And you want to die. And, and a lot of those people, if you go to those 12-step rooms, there's suicide talk constantly. Because a lot of people thought about it. Um, a lot of people tried it. Uh, so you hear it in there constantly. So th- again, that's why back to my um, rant about, w- you know, when people talk about suicide and, and, and just kind of dismiss um, the role that alcohol and drugs plays in depression and suicidal thinking, which is huge. And, yeah. you know, and when they talk about, oh, we want suicide prevention and, and how could we, you know, how do you see, how do you see it? Uh, you know, we didn't see it coming. It was like, well, if someone is, is drinking and drugging heavily, yeah, that's, there's, there, there's the warning sign right there. That's it's enough. pretty, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. It's pretty obvious, but yes, it does produce a lot of storytellers and which also actually being in those rooms. I mean, I'm a, I, I liked, I'm a, a natural performer and, 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 and a fairly open person anyway. However, having been sober and been in those rooms for a while, um, and being able and, and talking about my story and hearing other people talk openly about their story made it easier for me when I decided to um, write the memoir and start telling telling stories publicly because I was mm. you know it kind of laid the foundation. Is there a burning a burning thing you want to share that I may not have asked about? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I can tell you this: I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy neither one of those. Uh, suicide attempts took. I don't ever want to uh, do it again. And I'm pretty sure that if I drank and drugged again, mm-hmm. it would lead me back to suicidal ideation. And that's why I want to. I want to stay sober. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that that it didn't didn't work. Your efforts didn't pan out, and you're here. And uh, no doubt, several people. Uh, more than several people are, are better for it and happy uh, you're, you're, you've stuck around for a while. So, I, I wouldn't be talking to you, right? That's if true. So, and right, there, right there is the gift. That's a gift. Okay. Appreciate your time very much and being so open and candid and, uh, and uh, honest about all this. So thanks again. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Stay safe. All right. You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. 
And if you subscribe, you won't have to worry about when we launch new shows. It's Mondays and Thursdays, but if you subscribe, it'll be like automatically there for you so you don't have to think about it. Again, if you have a story you'd like to share or you know somebody that does, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com. You can also uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, our Facebook page is Suicide Noted. Until we connect again, please stay strong, do the very best you can, and I will talk to you soon.